0: Greetings my friends, welcome back to the broadcast, I'm Sean, website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com, that's where you go to find the archives, that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well this morning we are resuming our study in the book of Romans, and we're ready for chapter 14. Now as is with many of the chapters in the book of Romans, um, there we have to approach it uh with some open hearts i should say it's one of those that i feel like i need to give a disclaimer and a warning meaning if you're if you have some pet doctrines that you're really holding close you know like and if you've been listening to me very long pet doctrine it's a term i use for those Doctrines that have no bearing on salvation and are usually of a matter of debate and contention. But the Christian will hold it close to their chest, you know, protecting their little pet. And they will go to war with their fellow brothers and sisters to protect this little pet. They will disown family members. They will disown their friends. They will disown fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. They will abandon their church. They'll the save this pet doctrine okay even though the doctrine has no bearing on salvation and even though it is a clear matter of debate and contention meaning there's a lot of views out there on it there's a lot of arguments about it okay Uh, the rapture doctrine is a good example of one Uh, there's contending views there's a lot of uh, ...back and forth about it. There's m- lots of debate about it. And yet... ...if you don't fall... ...into the to whichever side of that coin that you land on... Uh, ...people go to war over it. And have contention over it. I say all that because... ...I feel like today... ...even though there's not a specific doctrine that's attacked here... Um, people may take offense nonetheless. So, my hope and prayer this morning is that you wouldn't get worked up over any specific doctrine, but that you would hear the point of what Paul is trying to say. And the point is very simple. The point is simply this. In matters that are not about salvation. Don't fight and contend and despise one another and judge one another. Instead, receive one another and love one another. It's really that simple. That's the point he's trying to make. But he uses some language that people might find offensive if you're on the end where you feel like... If you're on the the side where it feels like he's... For example, he's going to use... Let's just read the first line real quick and then we'll officially start here. He says, him that is weak in the faith. That's the King James. Or uh, the version that we're going to be reading this morning says, now accept the one who is weak in faith. And then when he goes into the describing these things, if you fall on that side where it sounds like he's saying you're weak in faith, it could be offensive. Let me just say that I probably myself personally land more on the side that he's talking about, okay, so maybe that'll put some of your minds and hearts at ease. <laughs> I just don't want you to miss the point because i I when I see the the comment threads not just on my channel but other channels and I see some of the messages I get and I see the back and forths and I see the people who attack me occasionally. It's, it's, this, this is a message that they really need to receive. Up to this point in our study in Romans, Paul's just been, the main point he's hammered home is salvation is by faith in the shed blood of Christ. That's the only method for salvation. You can't earn salvation through your observance of the law. As he points out to the Jewish listener, you can't, uh, there's no matter, there's no amount of work and obedience and observation of rites and rituals and all these things that you can do to earn salvation because none of us are worthy. And furthermore, Paul goes on to point out that if you do believe, it's because God chose you from the foundation of the world, you have no reason and nothing that you're bringing to the table that you can boast about. So that's that's been the real main theme, right? It's understanding how salvation works. So when we acknowledge that, when we understand that none of us are worthy, and that we were chosen from the foundation of the earth, and that God drew us to himself, and gave us out of his great mercy, the ability to believe upon his son who died on the cross, shed his blood, and God rose him again on the third day, we understand that none of that was because of us or anything that we were able to do, then this message that Paul's about to give here in chapter 14 is a lot easier to stomach and receive and understand. You should love your brothers and sisters regardless of contending views about certain things. Because at the end of the day, it's all about serving Christ. It's all about serving God and your love for God. And there's nothing you're doing that's earning your way into his great graces anyway. So with that backdrop, let's have a look at what the scriptures have to say. And I just pray that you would open up your hearts and receive truth and wisdom this morning. Alright, that might be the longest introduction I've done in a long time. But chapter 14 is short. I'm going to read the first like six verses and then I'm going to read you some commentary. Um, And then we'll continue on, okay? Because I just want to make sure you understand the whole point of the whole thing. Let's begin. Romans chapter 14. Verse 1. Now accept the one who is weak in faith. But not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. One person has faith that he may eat all things. But he who is weak eats vegetables only. Please note. Let's kind of set this. Let's kind of put some parameters here. Right out of the gate Paul let saying let's ex- you need to accept the one who is weak in faith. And he's going to give some examples. He says, except the one who's weak in faith, but not for the purpose of judging his opinions. Right? Like, he doesn't have to agree with you about everything. You just have to be in agreement about the thing that matters, and that's Jesus. What are you doing with that? And then he gives some examples, and it's important not to insert our own examples. Okay? Don't take what Paul's saying and then start inserting your own doctrinal examples stick with the ones that he presents so can we can we agree to do that to start with first one he presents is you have some people who because of their liberty that they have and the freedom they have in Jesus they just eat what they want but you have some who will only eat vegetables Paul says, well, they, they're weaker in the faith because they're not you know, comfortable in that liberty. They feel the need to only eat vegetables. That's what he's saying. If you're somebody who feels that way, it's not a slam on you. In fact, Paul is actually saying, don't have contention with that person. It's ridiculous. Don't be judging them about this. They don't want to eat meat they believe that they're um, honoring God that way, let them do it. Okay, that's what he's saying. So let's continue on. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats, for God has accepted him. So likewise, don't judge if you have a brother or sister who says, I don't eat meat. I believe that God created us to be vegetarians from the beginning. And I just want to observe that because that's how I honor God. Furthermore, I can also avoid eating unclean things if I just eat vegetables. Okay? So you might have that Christian. Don't be judging them and contending with them about it. And likewise, if you're that Christian Christian, who does that way, don't judge your other brother who's over there eating a juicy steak, who doesn't feel that way, who doesn't have that on his conscience. That's what Paul's saying. And just to make sure you understand, he goes on in verse 4, Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand for the Lord is able to make him stand. What's Paul saying? He's saying, that person you're judging, they have a master. Their master is God. Who are you, (laughs) right? Like, who are you bystander to stand there and judge that God, to judge God's servant? Isn't that God's job? It's his servant. Man, some of us need this, don't we? Let's just be honest. Some of us... We're just quick to judge. Oh, did you see what so-and-so's doing? Oh, look at how they raise their kids. Right? Oh, did you see what they're eating? Okay. That's what he's getting at. Stop it. That's not your place. That's not your place. That's what Paul's saying. Verse 5. One person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord. For he gives thanks to God. And he who eats not for the Lord, he does not eat and gives thanks to God. You see what Paul's saying? He's saying you've got the one who eats... He does it for the Lord and gives thanks to the Lord. You have the one who doesn't eat; they're doing it for the Lord. You have the one who observes certain days very specifically and and tries to be meticulous about it. And they do. Why do they do? It? They do it for the Lord, Sean. Why do you call it Passover and blah blah blah? And and why do you observe it? And and don't do the Christian thing because that's how I honor God. I believe that. That's the. I believe that's what. God designed for us and put forth for us was Passover not Easter I still go to church on Resurrection Sunday and celebrate the fact that Christ rose from the dead but no I'm not doing the Easter thing okay I'm honoring God this way likewise if you haven't come to that understanding I shouldn't be standing on the sideline hating you and pointing my finger at you Do you understand what's being said here? Let me read a little bit of commentary. This is from F.B. Meyer. Well, you know what? I I need to get to verse 12 first, and then I'll read his commentary. Let's continue on. Verse 7. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, and if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, We are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall Give praise to God. So then, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. (laughs) Paul's like, why are you doing that? Why are you bothering judging your brother over there? Don't you understand? You're going to stand before God too, right? Like we're all going to have to. And let's be honest. I should be a lot more worried about what I've got to answer to God about for myself than what you're doing over there. Because I know the things that come into my heart and mind I know the points of failures that I have. I know the times when I've chosen willfully the wrong thing. I got my own issues that I have to stand before God and give an account about. How is it that I could possibly have time to be worrying about yours? Let me read this commentary from F. B. Meyer. He says this about all that we've read through these first 12 verses. The weak conscience needs further instruction. It is anemic and requires the hilltop with its further view and bracing air, but not in the meantime, its owner must be guided by its promptings. A man must not take a certain course merely because others do, unless he can justify their bolder faith in, and larger freedom. So let's go back to the first thing that before I continue on with his with Matt or with FB Meyer's commentary. First thing that Paul brings up as an example is the vegetable versus meat thing. F. B. Meyer saying, Hey, the guy who says I only eat vegetables because I believe this is the right way to honor God shouldn't just start eating meat because all of y'all are eating meat, right? Oh, well, everybody at the church is eating meat. I guess I should do it. No. He says a man must not take a certain course merely because others do. Unless he can justify their bolder faith and larger freedom. So the only way I'm going to start doing what you're doing is if I can justify it by the scriptures that that's the right thing to do. Otherwise, I don't care if 900 of you over there are doing this thing. I'm going to do what I believe is right for honoring God. Okay? Continuing on with F.B. Meyer. By thought and prayer and the study of God's word, conscience becomes educated and strengthened and ceases to worry as to whether we should be vegetarian or not. Whether we should observe Saints Day or adopt a specific method of observing the Sabbath. Some people are constantly wondering and questioning about such things as though their eternal salvation depends on minute observances. On minute observances. He says, Such would have found but scant comfort from the apostle. He would have said, Do the best you know. And when you have once adopted a certain method of life, follow it humbly until some wider view is opened before you by the Spirit of God I really love that here's the answer do what you know do what you believe God has shown you to do and do it humbly and you don't change and waver until your eyes have been opened by the Spirit of God to go in a different direction Does that make sense? He's saying don't contend and constantly question. And what am I doing? Is it this or is it this? Oh, I'm so tormented by what is the answer? Your salvation doesn't depend on that thing. Do what you believe and know. And do it humbly. What's that mean? without arrogance and judging everybody else because they're not doing it the way you're doing it. Do it humbly and do it for the Lord until or unless God opens your eyes about it about something different. If anything, this should be setting some of you free a little bit. Um, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on. The last couple sentences here from F.B. Meyer's Commentary. The main principle for us all is to live and die to please our Lord. He is our master. And it will be for him to allot our rewards. In the meantime, let us not judge one another, but live in love, leaving each to work out the plan of his own life as his master directs. Let's continue on with the scriptures here. Only a few more verses. I pray that you've received the message this morning. And that you're not over there stewing, getting angry. But that you've received the truth of God's word. Thir- verse 13. Therefore. What's therefore mean? In light of everything I just said. Therefore. Let us not judge one another any more. But rather, determine this not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and I am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. What did Paul just say? Don't put an obstacle to cause your brother to stumble. Let me give you some examples. If you have a brother or sister who thinks that all alcohol, even a sip of it or having it in your house is sinful behavior, you may disagree and think, hey, I think it's perfectly fine to have a glass of wine at night with dinner or whatever. Don't put a stumbling block. In other words, when you go over to their house or when you, if you go out to eat, maybe don't order alcohol when you go out to eat with that particular brother or sister. Right? Why? Because you're loving them more than yourself. And you're not trying to put any stumbling blocks that's going to harm their faith, even if you don't think it's an issue. And then Paul goes on to say, I'm convinced that there's nothing uncle- there's nothing unclean anymore for me to eat. But, but he says, but there's some who think things are unclean, and if they believe it in their heart that it is unclean, then it is. What's he mean? It's like, if I think that eating this particular thing is unclean and a sin to the Lord, but then I eat it anyway, I am sinning, even if it's really not unclean. Does that make sense? Because it's about the heart. We read this again. I know, and I am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Verse fifteen. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. What's he saying? He's saying don't damage your brother and sister's faith just because you disagree with with what they're observing. And don't blatantly break it in front of them. That's not love. That's not humility. That's malice. You're harming your brother and sister's faith with your attitude and your actions. When you could simply just for that couple of hours not eat that thing or drink that thing. Do you understand what he's saying? This is tough for some of us. Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who is this way serves Christ is acceptable to God. And approved by men. So then, we pursue the things which make for peace in the building up of one another. Again, I have to stop and say this is something that's not happening, I guess, not from what I'm seeing. And I guess a lot of because my ministry is online. And because I interact with a lot of other ministries that are online, so that's the world, right, that I live in. And that's the world that I operate in. I don't see building up of one another. I see tearing down. Constant arguing and bickering back and forth, pet doctrines and tearing down one another. Not encouraging and strengthening one another, which is what the body of Christ is supposed to do. I'm not saying embrace and tolerate sinful behavior. That's not what this topic is about, by the way. See, people always want to take it to another place. That's not what that's not what Paul's dealing with here. He's not dealing with blatant sin. He's dealing with what some people think they need to observe in order to properly walk before God and how we shouldn't be judging one another or putting stumbling blocks in front of one another and arguing and bickering about those things. That's that's what this conversation is about. Verse 20. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. He's just continuing to hammer that point home. and He's using food as his example. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. Right? What did we just talk about? Don't eat that thing in front of that brother or sister. Don't drink that thing in front of that brother or sister if they find it an offense against the faith. I use wine as a good example because there's many areas of Christianity that think that you don't drink alcohol at all. And some who think it's perfectly fine. Just don't become drunk or don't become an addict. (laughs) But having a drink here and there is... Fine, but do it in a way that doesn't cause others to stumble. Right? Verse 22, The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he is eating Because his eating is not from faith. And whatsoever is not from faith is sin. That, my friends, is the end of chapter 14. Man, I wrestled over how to present this. And so I just pray in the powerful name of Jesus that it's come out properly and that the words that have came out of my mouth have been God's words and have been truth. I pray your hearts are pierced and that you've been challenged and strengthened and maybe all of us could walk in a little more humility when it comes to how we view and treat our brothers and sisters about these things. I'm definitely more on the side of what this scripture here would call the weaker brother even though i don't think of myself as weak i've given my life to the gospel i've sacrificed and lost a lot because of it i've I, i've given my whole life to the study of the scriptures and all these things so i don't think of myself as weak and so the reason i keep bringing that up is because i don't think paul's using that as an insult As we would take it today in modern English as an insult. So. Okay. Well, there you have it, my friends. (laughs) I pray you've been blessed. Thanks for listening. By the way, thank you for your support. Uh, I just really appreciate the Patreon subscribers, the PayPal donators, those of you who send letters in the mail. It's your kindness to me is far beyond what I deserve. Because any truth that comes across this microphone is by God's grace not by my flesh. And so I'm very, very grateful. Thank you so much. That's all I have for you today. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.